Today, in keeping with our objectives to provide a biblical perspective on current events, both social, religious, and political, we are going to present the first of a two-part series of messages on the biblical perspective on the relationship of husband and wife. Today, we will focus on the meaning of the headship of the Christian husband. And next week, Lord willing, we will focus on the Christian wife and submission. These two biblical, in fact, divine concepts have, in my opinion, been grossly abused over or during the past several weeks in recent discussions. And so we believe it's important for us, keeping with our mandate, to provide a biblical perspective on these issues. It's my joy, it will be my joy and pleasure to have with me in the studio today Pastor DeAnza Cunningham. He is a senior pastor of Christ Community Church, and he will be joining us a little while for our call-in section of the show, and he will be responding to your questions and comments as well. And so we encourage you to uh, get out your pen and pencil and uh, jot down our numbers. I'll give it I'll give them to you in a moment, as well as any questions or comments that you would like to make so you can join us in our conversation today. Now, as usual, I will, in just a few moments, have a time of prayer, and then I will put down what I call a foundation, a basis for us upon which we will build our discussion questions. In other words, we believe it's important, first of all, to give a clear um, presentation of the concept or the truth or the teaching that we are concerned about. And so I will be doing that for the first part of the program. And then at about 5 o'clock, we have a break for the news. And then we will come back, and the lines will be open at that time for your comments and questions. So... Let me give you the numbers again, just so you could make a note of them. Then we'll have our prayer, and then I will go to the Word. And I encourage you to get your Bible, and please follow along with me as we go through this study together, because this is the important part for in time for instruction during our program. And we encourage you to take notes. Our telephone numbers are 322-7846. Please jot it down, 322-7846. And the second number is 326-0800. That's 326-0800. But please, don't call until after the news. Let's pause then for a time of prayer. And I invite you to join with me, with me wherever you may be. Just bow your heads and uh, focus now on a holy God, a majestic God, a forgiving God, a compassionate God, a good God as we go before his throne of grace. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you with praise and thanksgiving on our lips and in our hearts because of the privilege we have of being able to come into the presence of such a holy God as you are, such a wonderful, loving God, such a compassionate Father 
We know this is only possible because of the shed blood of your Son, your unique Son, our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you for him and his sacrifice, his great sacrifice for us. We praise you for your love that motivated you to send him and to give him for us. We thank you for this country in which we live and for all of the good things with which you have blessed us. Father, in spite of all the moral problems that we have now, the economic situation, in spite of all of the sin and the corruption and the immorality that surround us, we thank you for the fact that you are still in charge. You are still on the throne and you are still working out everything to bring honor to yourself and for the good of your people. We believe this. And in spite of the fact that we face so many difficulties and problems at the time, we can rest, we can be confident in the fact that an all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing, omnipotent God is still in control. So help us to trust you more and more. As commanded in your word, we bring before you those who rule over us, first our government. And again, in keeping with your word, we pray for their salvation. We pray they might come to place faith in the only mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Save those leaders who lead us, our Father, who have not yet placed faith in Jesus Christ. And for all those who have and will, may they then seek to honor you by ruling your people in a just and a non-oppressive way. We pray for our religious leaders as well. We who are supposed to be guides and models of Jesus Christ and how he desires his people to live. Grant that we might live holy lives. Father, there's so little emphasis today on holy living. May we, as leaders of your people, pastors and elders and teachers and evangelists, Father, we pray that we might be examples to the flock. We pray that we might live righteous lives, holy lives. And we pray that those who are not doing so now and refuse to do so. Pray that you might remove them from their place of leadership. Pray that you might give boldness to your people so we might seek to have only men and God who truly seek to live lives of integrity, holy lives. Seek only, only to glorify the triune God and to proclaim his word in unadulterated, accurate, and true recorded by the Holy Spirit. May we be true, we pray, to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And Father, now, as we open the word to speak about the headship of the husband, thank you for your truth, your word that is so clear on this particular issue. Grant that uh, the seed of your word will find good soil in the hearts of those who are listening, especially the men, the husbands, so that this truth might be applied in a very godly fashion and so there'd be no abuse, there would be uh, no taking advantage or pressing their wives but only love being demonstrated on a daily basis. So bless your word 
Undertake for us, we pray, as we seek to honor you in all that we do today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Now, as I said, this will be only laying the foundation for our discussion. We'll have much more to say uh, later on after we open the lines and you call because we're focusing on biblical truth today. And so we encourage you to have your Bibles. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, and remember now, our focus is on the headship of the Christian husband. And I say Christian husband because, again, I want to remind you that these particular truths are directed towards individuals who profess the name of Jesus Christ and have the Spirit of God indwelling them. In fact, in this passage in chapter 5, if you really go back to verse 18, you'll see that these particular uh, uh, things can only be lived out in a person's life if they are filled or controlled with the Holy Spirit. And so it's very important for me to, to, to underline that fact because to those of you who are listening who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior right now, some of the things that will be said will seem off the wall to you or as you say today, off the chain, will be completely different. That's because, you see, spiritual truths are understood or discerned only by those who have the Spirit of God. Oh, yes, we could understand general and uh, general truths and so on. But when it comes to the specific teaching of the Holy Spirit in these things, it's only those who have the Spirit who can understand what the Spirit says to the church. So I want to remind you of that. But for those of us who profess faith in Jesus Christ, I want to remind you of something else as we get in here. Knowledge of the word is not sufficient to be blessed of God. James is very clear on this. He tells us it's not the hearers of the word who are blessed, but rather those who do the word, those who obey, those who practice the word. So although doctrine is vitally important, it is only effective if we live it out in our lives. Today, uh, we have people who sort of twist it around a little bit. They said, Doctrine isn't important at all. It's only to love one another. That sounds very good. However, teaching that we must love one another is doctrine. That itself is based on a doctrine, a teaching, a truth. So please remember that. These are important truths, but they're only effective in your life if you obey, not only if you know. But in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul introduces a radical concept concerning the meaning of the husband's headship over his wife, as it was understood and practiced in the culture of his day. In other words, Paul introduces an entirely new concept. Then, as unfortunately it is now also, at least to a large segment of Bahamian society, but back then in Paul's day, husbands simply dominated and subjugated their wives and regarded them as mere possessions and personal maids who were supposed to scrape and bow to their every whim, wish, and desire. That's the kind of culture that Paul lived in, in the Roman and the Greek culture at that time. Paul now, though, in Ephesians chapter 5, teaches that Christ and Christianity have completely and absolutely eradicated and demolished such an attitude. 
he introduces a completely radical perspective of a husband's headship over his wife when it comes to Christians. Yes, a Christian husband is head over his wife. And yes, this headship does involve authority. However, the Christian husband, Paul teaches here, is to exercise his headship and authority in a radically different way and with a radically different attitude than the non-Christian husband. This is Paul's point. We must not miss it. Paul is lifting the relationship of the husband to his wife to a higher level than ever introduced before. The Christian husband's headship is to be used, Paul teaches, for the welfare and benefit of his wife, not for himself. Now let me repeat that. Because again, I've been so saddened when I hear some Christian men uh, refer to this truth as giving them the right to do anything they want with their wives. That's not the truth of this passage. In fact, it's absolutely contrary to it. Let me repeat. The Christian husband's headship is to be used for the welfare and benefit of his wife, not for himself. In a radical departure from the cultural norm of the day, Paul instructs, yes, he even commands the Christian husband to submit his headship privileges to the compassionate, sacrificial, and loving care of his wife, not himself. In other words, he is to put his wife before him when it comes to the relationship in the family. This concept was a radical departure from what was happening at the time. It, was a, it is as radical then as it is now for many who have not been exposed to careful Bible exposition. It is amazing to me how many professing Christian husbands are still living under the impact and consequences of the fall and accept, accepting it as God's norm for their lives. The forced domination and subjugation of wives by their husbands are consequences of the fall, not a norm for humanity and especially for the Christian church. Christ's redemption has freed the believing husband from these consequences of the fall and the indwelling Holy Spirit enables him to restore God's original purpose in designating the husband the head of his wife. This, my friends, is the new truth Paul is elucidating in this passage. The radical departure from the social norm is based upon the standard or model upon which the Christian husband's headship is based, and that is the headship of Jesus Christ himself. Look carefully at verse 23 of Ephesians chapter 5. Here is the statement. The husband is the head of the wife. Now, here is the standard or model upon which it is based and must be measured, as Christ also is head of the church. The husband is head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church. That's the new radical Christian standard by which the husband is to measure his relationship to his wife. That truth, that concept, was never explained or elucidated or taught before the Apostle Paul teaches this now to the church. 
This is a newer and much loftier concept ever presented with regards to a husband's behavior and attitude toward his wife. It was and remains diametrically opposed to whatever a me-first society demands or expects. Now, what is characteristic of Christ's headship over the church is important for us. So, think about this now. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is head of the church. So, what is the characteristic of Christ's headship over the church? It is described in the next phrase of our verse. So, please get your Bible. It says, He himself being the Savior of the body, which of course is the church. Paul expands on this concept in verse 25 where he says, quote, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Men, here is the standard by which we are to measure how well we are exercising our headship over, over our wives. Is it based on an active demonstration of sacrificial love for our wives? Notice now, it is sacrificial love, not romantic love, although, as we will see, romantic love is involved. But the emphasis here is that our headship over our wives is to reflect a totally unselfish, sacrificial giving of ourselves to care for her needs. Just as Christ emptied himself of what was the most meaningful and dearest of possessions, to redeem his bride, the church, so must, we be, so must we be willing as husbands to give up whatever is dear to us and to put our needs as secondary to meet the needs of our wives. If it's one person with which a wife is to feel safe, it is with her husband. And even as Christ humbled himself and became a servant in order to do what was best for the church, his bride, even so must we become a leader-servant to our wives in order to do, to do what is best for them. He, Jesus Christ, not the macho male of a fallen society, is the model and standard of headship as it relates to our wives. But then Paul goes on to explain the purpose of this kind of self-sacrificing, wife-serving love. He says in verse 26, it is in order that he might sanctify her, that is, the church. Christ demonstrated this special, unique kind of love in order to sanctify the church. This means that he did so in order to set her apart for the use and glory of God. Now, Paul says, the Christian husband is to show the same kind of love toward his wife in order to prepare or equip her to be used for the glory of God. My friends, this is an amazing truth, one that we need to hear today, one that is often overlooked in discussions concerning the role of the husband. Notice how Christ goes about doing his sanctifying of his bride, having cleansed her by the washing of the word. In other words, he does this through the use of the word of God. So, likewise, then, the Christian husband is to equip and prepare his wife to be used for the glory of God in the same fashion, by teaching her the word of God. Not by abusing her, but by teaching her the word of God. Notice the ultimate goal of this process in terms of Christ and the church. 
in verse 27 he says, He does this in order that he might present to himself the church glorious and not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Now, with respect to husband and wife, and to put it in the terms of our current usage today, husbands are responsible for discipling their wives toward Christian maturity. Now, for many, this is a radical concept. Even today, most husbands leave this up to their wives to do, as well as to their pastor, their elders, or Sunday school teachers in order to equip and to spiritually prepare their wives for the glory of God. Paul, however, says as head of his wife, this is the husband's responsibility. And if you're not doing this, you're not really the head of the wife as God expects you and demands to you to be. The husband is responsible for helping a, her, his wife to achieve the highest level of spiritual maturity she is able to achieve. This is a major aspect of his role as head of his wife. But Paul again expands on the meaning and significance of self-sacrificing wife-serving love in verse 28. This is what he says, quote, Husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. Now, this is, not to meant, this is not meant to convey the idea that we as husbands are to love our wives as though they were our bodies, but rather that we are to love them because they are a part of us already. That's what the oneness of marriage is all about. They are our body as much as the church is the body of Jesus Christ. The point being made is that husbands are to care for their wives as they care for themselves. And Paul now explains this. He says in verse 29, The one who loves his own wife loves himself also. For no one ever yet hates his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. End of quote. My friend, do you know of any sane person, any stable person who beats up on themselves, who abuses themselves? No. If you do it to your wife, then you are acting unnaturally, abnormally, and outside the will of God. How does one care for himself? The same way Christ cares for the church, by nourishing and cherishing it. This is also how the husband is to exercise his loving headship toward his wife. Toward his wife. Nourishing refers to the physical needs of the wife. He is responsible for providing food and clothing and protection and all such basic needs. A good head of the home is a good provider and a good protector and a good lover. His wife never goes hungry or has to fend for herself and she's never left unprotected at the home and she always feels loved and cared for. How vital this is today. My friends, in light of the crime situation in our community and the nonsense that you hear sometimes over these talk shows. Cherishing has to do with the intimate, emotional esteem and belonging needs of our wives. Our wives must not only be loved, she must feel loved. She must not only be needed, she must feel needed. She must not only be loved, I say she must feel loved. In other words, as a husband, as the head, a husband is to do and say everything that is necessary to say and to do in order to make sure that his wife knows that she is loved and she is appreciated for what she can do and needed for who she is. This means that a husband who is exercising his headship toward his wife in a proper manner 
is a husband who is not only a sacrificial lover, but also a satisfying lover. He meets the emotional and romantic needs of his wife. Now this puts a new perspective on your headship, doesn't it? Most men and husbands regard headship as a position of power and authority and might and strength, authority to dominate and control their wives with an iron hand and a dictatorial attitude. I say, my friends, without reservation, based on my understanding of the word of God, such an attitude reflects an outworking of the curse in the lives of those who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. It is a fact that the Bible says that a man would rule over his wife, but that is stated within the context of the fall, which came about as a result of man's rebellion against and disobedience to the word of God. We'll probably talk about, about this a little bit more in our discussion time because we want to have a break just for some, uh, some new, uh, ads before we go into the news. And after the break, remember now, we want you to call. We want you to ask questions. We want you to make a comment. We'll be joined by Pastor DeAnza Cunningham as well. But now I'm going to take a break, and we'll come back right after the news. The issue today is the headship of the husband. Uh, as mentioned earlier, we're focusing on this particular issue now because of current events. And it is our objective uh, to be sure that the biblical perspective is put out there so um, the people of God especially will be able to have a biblical response to a lot of the current events that, has hap that are happening right now. Lord willing, next week we will be discussing the submission of the wife from a biblical perspective because we believe that this is another issue that needs some clarification from a biblical perspective. But today it is our joy to have with us in the studio the senior pastor of Christ Community Church, Deanza Cunningham. Uh, I've known uh, Pastor Cunningham for some time, and it's always a joy to be able to fellowship with him in the ministry. Welcome, Pastor Cunningham. It's good to be here, Pastor Lee. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you as and well. And especially to have you here to discuss this very important issue, because I know that you are enjoying a wonderful relationship with your beautiful wife. I am, <laughs> for 26 years. For 26 years. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Uh, yeah. The answer, tell me a little, what is your feeling about this particular issue, or the, especially as taught here in Ephesians 5, concerning the Christian husband and headship? What is your view on this? You know, today, some men, some Christian men, and even some Christian women, have the idea that because the Bible says that the husband is the head of the wife, then he has total control over her and can use her any way that he desires. What is your feeling about this? Well, first and foremost, um, again, thanks for having me here. I was I was thinking about this, and um, I was smiling to myself because quite often as preachers, we do not emphasize what uh, Paul's sort of warning in 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 First Corinthians seven. He says, you know, <laughs> it's good not to get married, <laughs> and then he gives the reason why it's not good to get married. He says, you know, because marriage brings extra problems. That's for sure. But since we have uh, journeyed into marriage, um, we have this responsibility. And it's so, it's so beautiful to know that 
this, the, the passage you were dealing with earlier um, in Ephesians 5, the emphasis really is not on the submission of the wife at all, but rather it is on the duty of those in authority. Mm -hmm. And since we men say we are in authority, then we have to understand what this text is all about. Very good. That's a great uh, point. I think it, it's, it's very important. Um, here we see in this text that headship has really to do, as I, as I look at it and as I understand it, has to do with bringing back dignity and equality and unity to the, to the union, bringing back that dignity and equality for the female. And so the headship of the man has to do really with meeting the needs of his wife. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, I think earlier you were talking about this in, in the context of uh, the husband meeting the physical needs, the meeting the spiritual needs. He is to meet also, of course, the intellectual needs right. of, of his wife. That is all about nourishing and cherishing because nourishing that wife has to do with not only meeting the uh, 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 spiritual needs but also the intellectual needs. He is the, as it were, the person responsible for that particular aspect of his wife's life. And particularly with regard to the, 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 the spiritual needs of his wife, we know that husband, if he is truly a Christian, he is supposed to be responsible for leading that family in worship. Mm -hmm. Because he is supposed to be creating that atmosphere at home for the discipling of his wife. So he leads in worship. He is supposed to be the, the chief intercessor, if you please. Not the sisters of church. But the husband in the house in the is home. supposed to be the chief intercessor, reminding his wife and his children of the amazing mercy and grace of God on a continuing basis. He is supposed to be, as it were, the, the, the prophet in the house. He is supposed to be, as it were, hearing from God. And so he is declaring constantly to his family in a loving way what he is hearing from God, which means then that he has to be involved in devotions, mm -hmm. quiet times with, with God, if he is going to provide leadership. And this leadership is not a leadership of ruling. Because I think quite often we, I'd say we, men, I don't think of it like that. <laughs> I think quite often men have this concept that headship is about ruling. But Ephesians 5 clearly shows us that this headship is not about ruling, but rather life-giving. Mm -hmm. so serving. He, yeah. Serving. Uh, yeah. Part of that life-giving is the only way it can happen is to serve his wife, because that's right. what we see in Jesus Christ. We see Jesus Christ being the savior of the wife. Right. So if he is the savior of the wife... He, and gave, the, he gave himself ah, for her. So therefore, he is in a life-giving business. Right. So the husband also must partake, partake in that role of giving life to his wife by saving his wife. Making, now, when I say saving his wife, that's done by Jesus right, Christ. Right. But I'm saying bringing that, that point of ensuring that his wife has all that it takes to make her to become all that she's capable of becoming. And what God wants her to and become. And what God wants her to become. And he's also, the text in Ephesians 5 talks about him being the sanctifier of his wife right. as well. Mm -hmm. You know, he is supposed to be, I always say to uh, men, uh, you, you, you have to, to do some debriefing every day with your spouse. Because she goes out to a world that is against the Christian marriage. And she is being bombarded on a daily basis with all kind of stuff. So he is supposed to daily, honey, how was the day? Right. 
uh, what, what, what kind of conversations you were in today. And then to make sure she is cleansed from those things that, uh, that militate against the word of God by the word of God. And that's why the sanctification there has to do with the use of the word of God in cleaning his wife. Mm -hmm. it, it is such a wonderful thing and a beautiful thing that you already have the resource as a man. You don't have to be thinking that's how you about really, That's how you make it really beautiful, exactly. right? Exactly. You know, you don't have to think about it. It's the resources right here for you. And then, of course, the third aspect of that life giving, as we see in the text, he talks about um, um, satisfying your wife. Right. Um, but, Pastor Kanang, before you get off into that section, right. let me ask you a couple of questions, at least one more question anyway, concerning this idea of, um, of sanctifying and uh, equipping the wife to be what God wants her to be. Yeah. There are many men today who leave that up to the pastors. In fact, I've had many um, people who've come in to my, uh, my office for counseling from other places, right. and especially the men saying that their wives spend so much time at the church because the pastor wants them there to do this, to do that, right. and also they get all their teaching from them and all of that. Right. How do you relate to something like that? I think it is... It is an abdication of the role of the husband. Because, uh, you know, we, we like to talk about the husband as being husband priest, but he's also husband prophet mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in, 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 in the context of being like Jesus. Right. He's a husband prophet. And if he is to be the leader in his home, and you know, the reality is one of the problems in our homes is just that. Because the men have not taken on the responsibility of setting that doctrinal foundation for their home, other men are deciding. Other men being the prophets, mm -hmm. the apostles in the community, <laughs> the, the bishops. Yeah. They are setting the doctrinal foundation for the home. And as a result of that, you have this tension. Because the man is thinking one thing, and his wife goes out there and hears another thing from her bishop. And she comes home with that attitude as if he is the leader, leader the home, of the right. home. And but, so little Joe, I've, I've had experiences where actually the wife would not do anything in the home unless the prophet who you say or whoever the apostle that's right. tells them what to do. And, that, and that's, that is clearly wrong because the chief discipler in the home is not the pastor. Mm -hmm. The chief discipler is the husband. Mm -hmm. That's why. That's why you remember. You remember Paul says to the to the um, uh, um, uh, the women the, that the women are to remain silent in the churches. And uh, as I understand it, it is because the husbands were not necessarily professional theologians, but they were regarded as the resident theologians. Their wives could go home and say, "Honey." The bishop said today, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> yeah. And because he knew the word, that's another reason, Pastor Lee, why Christian men must engage in developing themselves theologically. Studying the word. Studying the word. Mm -hmm. Because for the most part in our society, the women have the edge on that's our right, men. That's right. But I know that is true even in, in Atelios. We have more women who attend our class than men. That's right. And that is true. Yeah. You're listening to Talking It Through Biblically, and we're so delighted to have with us today Senior Pastor of the Christ Community Church, DeAnza Cunningham. And um, he's really uh, giving us some real insights into the relationship of the husband to his wife, especially from the perspective 
of his being the headship or him being the headship. We invite your calls and questions. 322-7846. 322-7846 or 326-0800. We're just going to talk a few more moments and we'll have a break and we'll come back again. But we really would love to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments on this very vital issue today, the headship of the husbands, properly, properly interpreted from the scriptures. So please, give us a call. Now, Pastor Cunningham, um, one of the concerns that I have today and reason for focusing on this issue is because of the idea that, you know, Paul's teaching concerning the woman or the wife is a very negative one and puts the woman down. Is that what Paul's that, that, is that what Paul <laughs> doing here? Is that what he's doing in this passage? Oh, absolutely not. What Paul is doing is really elevating the woman to a place of dignity because she was literally nothing. She was li literally nothing before Christ. And so what Paul is doing in this text, he is elevating the woman to a place of dignity, to a place of equality, to a place where there is unity, not a person in the background just used by the male. And, and you know, Paul even mentioned this, and I think a lot of people get people get caught up in this, and and they miss his understand their the understanding of the text. You remember, you know, Paul talks about uh, there is equality of male Galatians three twenty eight, right, right. and a lot of people say, "Oh, you see, there is no female male on female in Christ." That's a beautiful passage. Because, again, it brings out the equality of the female right. in terms of justification. And, 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 and what, a, what, a, what a beautiful thing that Paul is now, again, elevating our women to a place where she can become all that God has called her to be and not to be subjected to the women fancy of a male. Uh, the, 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 the thing you mentioned earlier when you were doing your, your, your brief exposition of this text, and you talked about the fact that these roles, as, as, in fact, as a matter of fact, the, the roles that are seen in, in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands to wives, parents to children, employer to employees, Paul brings up the point that, look, it is impossible for these things to be carried out. Impossible without the Filling, the filling, filling rather, of the, Holy Spirit. of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a joy that is not only men can be filled, but we all can be filled, whether you're male or female, Jew or Greek, rich or poor, black or white, all of us have that capacity. Um, and so we thank God for that reality, that our women no longer have to be subservient. We are all equal in essence, but different in function, and I think that's important to understand. That's a very vital uh, clarification we need to make. Yes. Okay, I think it's time for us to take a break. Uh, we need just a, a few moments here. And when we come back, we will continue our discussion on the headship of the husband, especially looking at the text in Ephesians 5. And if you're listening and you have your Bible, we encourage you to go to that passage of Scripture. So if you have any questions or comments, you will be... Have it, you have it right at your hand. So again, our numbers are 322-7846, 322-7846, and 326-0800. We would love to hear from you right after this break. Easy, easy B, easy, easy B, excellence in Christian broadcasting. 
Okay, we're back. And again, we are speaking with Pastor Dianza Cunningham, and we're talking about the Christian husband and headship. And we're so delighted to have him here today. He's given us some great insights into this passage in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, Pastor Cunningham, why do you think it is that so many Christian men today have a misunderstanding or conception of their relationship to their wife? Uh, Pastor I think it has to do um, firstly with the fact that we were not taught from our churches that the gospel has twin aims. Yes, we emphasize the salvation of the soul, but we do not, and we have not been emphasizing sufficiently. Of course, some of us have been trying in recent times, but a lot of preachers have not been emphasizing the humanization of the soul, mm -hmm. that that soul lives in community and is affected by politics and education and all of these things. So once that person goes up and says, look, I received Christ as my personal savior, the experience stops. Right. Whereas that person should right. have been nurtured to understand that now that you're saved, you're going out there to live in a community that's bombarding you. Right. Uh, and, 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 and what we have is men are so vulnerable to what's going on in the society because we have been trained not to be very responsible. Nobody takes you and says, nah, this is what a man is supposed to be like. Most of us learn our maleness or manhood or being husbands from under the tree. From the neighborhood. From the neighborhood. Yeah. Nobody. From the hood. From the hood. Right. From the hood. <laughs> As opposed to understanding that we were, 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 were called by God and created by God to fulfill his masterpiece. Mm -hmm. His masterpiece of partnership in the world. Secondly, I think our schools don't help because we're not teaching our men. Not in the churches, schools, and, and, and our schools are not doing a great job, or neither the government, neither churches are doing a great job in emphasizing family life. Mm -hmm. We preach all kind of other stuff, but there's little emphasis on which is important, that which is important. Somebody says, uh, um, you, you want a good church? Have good families that go there. If you want a bad church, have bad families. And so there, there but there is still not that emphasis of churches and schools and, and agencies on families. And I think a third thing that, that causes us, that causes our men to be the way they are is the media influence. The media influence. The media influence is, you see men hopping from bed to bed to bed. Right. And nobody um, contracts AIDS, you know. You just hop from bed to bed to bed. Okay. And so we feel, we, we do this thing with an impunity that that's the way it is. Right. I think we have a first call. Hello, you're on ECB, talking it through biblically. Hello. Hello. Hi. Yes, I have a question for Pastor Cunningham. Okay. Okay, according to the scriptures, it does not appear as if an unsaved man can be the priest of his home. I want to know what is the goal of an unsaved man. I will hang up and listen to the response Thank you. Pastor Cunningham. Thank you for your call. Thank you. Well, 
clearly we're speaking in the context of the Christian man because mm-hmm. the, the word of God clearly in this passage that we are dealing with this, this afternoon uh, speaks clearly to the Christian man. However, not, nevertheless, that, that, that the, the husband in your life might be a non-Christian and he cannot truly fulfill the role of priest in the home. If you are a believer then you have got to help him in that process. And I think that's where why Paul talks about the person who, the woman who is saved, sanctifies the house. Home, right. So by your, by your behavior, uh, you can help that brother, and I'm calling him brother in the generic sense. <laughs> you can help him in the process of becoming uh, a priest. Right. So now how can she do that? Right. Um, for instance, I think Peter addresses yes. this by still in, showing him respect. Right. In First right? Peter chapter 3. Exactly. First Peter chapter 3, uh, um, Peter says, and, and I'm reading from the uh, New King James Version here, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Conduct of their wives, where they, where, when they observe your chaste conduct, Accompanied by fear, so I notice not without a word. Without a word, it's the lifestyle. Exactly. Um, uh, uh, Peter Peter says, the most powerful form of evangelism for a woman in the home is silence and conduct. Right, accompanied by a godly life. As, exactly. Right. Her, her godly conduct. The inner and, beauty. The inner and, beauty. Right. And so, ma'am, I think that's the way you have to do it. He is not the priest because he is not a believer, but you can show him the due respect that may eventually lead him to trust Christ as his personal savior and to be able to come, become the priest in, in, in your home. Also, I think if you engage in spiritual exercises in the home, you should also include him and do not make him feel inferior because, you know, for the most part in our society, the women are more uh, theologically um, inclined than our men. So if you're having, for example, uh, a prayer time with your children, invite them to pray. Right. Invite them to pray also. And do a little, little conversational type prayer. Here's one thing, though, that you must avoid. Do not compare him to your pastor. Amen. Never say, I wish you were like my pastor. Absolutely. Or, my pastor doesn't do this or that. That's right. Never do that. That's right. By the way, so the so two, two uh, points here. One is a warning and another is an encouragement. One is a warning to those of you uh, who are not Christians right now, ladies or gentlemen. Scripture tells us we should not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. So watch out uh, with whom you become very intimate uh, as, a, uh, as far as your relationship is concerned. Secondly, as in this case, if you are married, you might have become... You might have uh, become a Christian after you were saved, or I mean, you might have uh, become a Christian after you were married, rather. Uh, then I think Peter's instructions are very, very important for you to follow, because it's possible for your unsaved husband to come to Christ, but it's not by preaching. And I know that's difficult for some Bahamian women because that's <laughs> what they like to do. But it's not preaching; it's by yeah. living a pure life. That's right. And still showing him love and respect. Right. Peter says you could uh, lead him to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it very much. Uh, let me give you the numbers again. 322-7846, 322-7846, or 326-0800, 326-0800.
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were, we, were, we were talking about this whole thing about the Christian in the home, and I, I think one of the things uh, Christian men have to be careful with is the media influence. Uh, we have to, as Christian men, monitor, monitor what we watch. And what we watch as Christian men should reflect our Christian values, and that's a problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I read some uh, a graphic the other day where preachers are having a great difficulty with pornography. pornography. Oh, that, in fact, you has know? been research have shown that's one of the gr greatest problems now with preachers in the Christian home. Right, uh, watching pornography. Mm -hmm. And it is tearing marriages apart Absolutely. and homes as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, it is so rampant. I mean, even here, it is really something else. Yeah. Okay. Now, there's a passage of Scripture, uh, Pastor Cunningham, uh, a couple of verses here in Ephesians 5, that I think have a real bearing upon our context today as we discuss uh, uh, the issues of the day. Uh, it has to do with a husband caring for his wife mm -hmm. the way he cares for his himself or his own body. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28, So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. Mm -hmm. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church because we are members of his body. Yeah. Now, that passage seems to tell me, uh, I think we have another call, so we'll come back to this in a moment. Hello, you're on ECB, talking it through biblically. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? Wonderful. Uh, I have a question uh, concerning marriages. Mm -hmm. uh, people say, uh, around some churches, and I always beg to differ, uh, you all gentlemen can help me with that if I'm wrong, that persons who are unsaved when they get married, that those marriages are not of God. Okay. Uh, only marriages is be of God are those uh, of saved people. Pastor Cunningham? Yeah. I do not agree with that statement. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the only marriage that would not be of God, in my view, would be where the marriage violates Scripture, and that violation flows out of being unequally yoked. In, in, my, in, my, in my view, uh, however, again, if, if a person is in that kind of relationship and it goes forward, then they have to make the best out of it, and we hope that they will come to that point right. where both persons become believers. Okay. Well, so, I believe, I'm a, I'm a, let me just let me say something about that, too. Marriage is not a church or a Christian institution. Okay. It is a, what we call a creational Right. Uh, institution. It was it was instituted before the church was even formed. Right. All right. So uh, marriage is, is something that is universally valid, uh, whether you're Christian or non-Christian. Okay. So that's probably the reason why Jesus told the Pharisee folks when he said it was never meant to be so from the beginning. Well, right. Well, he was talking about he was talking about the permanency of marriage in that particular situation. So you become one, and therefore you should not be divorced, right. should not be separated. But, okay, I get two more questions, and I'll be out of the way. Uh, but one more comment here with, with Pastor Cunningham. I'm not sure you meant, we said that if you're married to an unsaved person, it isn't a valid marriage. No, no, and no. You, know, you no, weren't saying that. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm, right. I'm saying in the context of 
it is not God's ideal. Right, exactly. Because not uh, God's that's ideal. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Oh yes. Uh, so in the part where it says unequally yoked, does that mean different denominational, or does it mean uh, a person one saved and the other one is not saved? You. Well, go ahead, Pastor Cunningham. <laughs> and then I'll put in after Pastor Cunningham. Yeah, he's, I, okay. he's my guest, he, so I'll have to defer to him. I yeah. am his junior, so let the junior speak first, <laughs> and I'll let the senior put the icing on the cake. <laughs> well, I guess the host is giving the invitee the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm listening. Okay. Um, uh, the, the point was um, whether or not... See, the junior, junior for Gabriel, we, we were supposed to be going. Call up. Yes, sir. Yeah, what, you said something to the degree that... That, okay, whether it's saying that the person of different denominational... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unequally yoked. Whether it's right. the Baptist. Right. right. Would that be unequally yoked? I don't see it in that light, no. If the person is a believer, is uh -huh. a follower of Christ, fine. Right. Denominations have nothing to do with it. I think Pastor Lee alluded to that earlier, that marriage is not a church thing, so to speak. Okay. Um, so, therefore, if you were Baptist and you got married to a brethren... And you believe it? That's fine. Oh, okay. That's denominational, yeah. right? right. But it, no, he, uh, as he said, it has to do with with an unsaved and a saved person. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, that's the unequal yoke. Okay. So as long as one is saved and the other one is not saved, because obviously she wants to go this way, and you, as a change man, wants to stay in church, you can have it's you have situations. Well, right. You have pro Paul. Paul deals with that. Just a whole bunch of problems that comes up. Now, that is not, uh, I think we need to make it clear, though, for those who are in a situation like that. Okay. Uh, we have to make it clear, it, the marriage is still valid. Uh -huh. All right? However, the relationship there is going to be very difficult because you only have one person who is indwelled by the Spirit and is striving to please God in the life. Right. So that's going to be very difficult. You have, you have light and darkness walking together, well, walking side by side, but not together. And not together, right. You see? You have one with a spirit who is alive, another with a spirit that is dead. Mm -hmm. And it, it becomes very difficult. Okay, so, so you're saying then if a person, if I'm dating a lady who goes, I'm a Catholic, and she goes to a Baptist church, uh, there's no real problems. I mean, say, un unequally yoked. No, not unequally yoked. Once both of you know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Yes. However, let me say this too. That doesn't mean that there, won't, there might not be some problems having to do, do with your different so ways that you do. Right. right. But if you're Christians, you can work those out. You, you understand what I'm saying, but yes, you need right, yes. to. But it, you probably need to do that before you get married. Get married. Right. Because, for instance, take the Roman Catholic Church, and, and I'm not saying this in a judgmental fashion at all, uh -huh. just a fact. They will encourage you to have your children brought up in the Roman Catholic faith. Yes. You know what I mean? That will be an understanding. But you, know, you know what's so funny, though, sir? Excuse mm -hmm. me for cutting in. My grandfather was a Baptist bishop. We, the, his grandchildren, went to a Catholic school and a Catholic church. God for his holy communion and all that other stuff. Uh, I mean, but yet, I always ask my aunt the question, how we end up in the Catholic, whereas we, my grandfather, they all went to Baptist Church. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Well, that, that happens, it, and like, yeah. like we say, because it hasn't got anything to do with nomination. Right. If people are living godly lives, then, you know, sometimes they're attracted to one another. Uh-huh. Well, okay, thank you, gentlemen. You've been most helpful. Thank you for calling. You. Right. Okay. That was an interesting call. Yep. All right. Um, what issues are there? 
Were you, um, you, you, were, you were talking about again? You began to, we were about to go into that part of the passage, um, loving the, the wife as you love your as own you body. As you love your, your own body, body, right. Yeah. And I was saying today, enlisting some of the, the people on the talk shows today, even Christians and pastors who have this idea that because the wife um, uh, is supposed to be submissive to you and the husband is the head of the home, then that husband has the right to, to do anything with that wife that he is pleased to do, uh, even to the point of abusing, you know. Yeah. Uh, this passage seems to contradict that so, so vividly and clearly. Oh, certainly. Um, that, that's, that's not what it's all about at all, because even though we are one, yet we are different, two different personalities. Um, and also, when a husband, when a re when really, when a husband loves his wife correctly, uh, you know, the, the, the beauty of loving your wife correctly is that she will want to respond to you positively. And, 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 and what, I, what, what I see Paul saying in this passage with regard to loving uh, your, your wife as your own body, is what he's talking about is uh, to the degree that you, uh, as a man, you're supposed to satisfy her needs. Satisfy her needs, you're supposed to help her to look good, so that she matures. Because remember, what we're doing in this text is about discipling, mm -hmm. making this woman, helping this woman to become all that God has called her to become. Right. And, and we, cannot, we, we must not ignore that. So this man is helping his wife to look good. He is seeking to satisfy her because the degree to which she is satisfied, my brother will stay drunk. <laughs> He will stay drunk. He'll be intoxicated, as it were. <laughs> yeah, watch over that word, drugs. You know. <laughs> right. With that love. And so, so um, he is supposed to treat her accordingly, as he would treat himself. And I don't, I, I don't see any man going around beating up himself and smiling at him exactly. beating up himself. He cannot right. do that. Because you, you, don't, you don't abuse yourself. You love yourself. And you treat yourself to the and best. And that's a normal, natural thing, you know. Okay. A lot of people says that uh, they, um, they don't love themselves. Uh, and we cannot love anyone else until we love ourselves. Okay. And they go to passages like this, says that we are commanded to love ourselves. Okay. But you know, there's nowhere in Scripture where we are commanded to love ourselves. Okay. It is assumed that we do. Yeah. It's a natural it's part. It's supposed to be natural. Yeah, it's a yes. natural part. Yes. Now, we are commanded to love our wives. Right and to love others, right. but we're not commanded to love ourselves yeah. because that's unexpected, that's a norm. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think they take, they take the, 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 the commandment, um, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But again, that's a, it's a, the same principle as right. here. Right. You, you, you see, right. it, it's expected that you love yourself. That's correct. Not to do that, it, that means you, you're abnormal or you're sick, that's right. something like that, and, psychologically. And what is, what is what even so, more so, you are marring the image of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because God created you to be this special person. In fact, you look at Genesis, God says, look, I've created you in my own image. What's God saying? Go be fruitful and multiply. What God is looking for, he's looking for himself in the world. He wants to see his, his image being uh, promoted and, 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 and uh, throughout the world. Jesus said the same thing. Go make disciples of all nations. Go make, in other words, I want people to, when you look at people in the world, I want to see a bunch of little Jesuses all over the place. And that's what it's all about. So we as husbands have a tremendous job. It's a hard job to ensure that our homes look like 
Jesus's home. Exactly. Yeah. I think one of the things we have to see that underlines this whole passage too is the lofty view that God gives of marriage. Yes. Marriage is one of the most wonderful and beautiful experiences anyone can enter into here on earth Absolutely. if it's done God's way. Absolutely. The problems only come when we uh, when we forget the, book, the handbook mm -hmm. and try to make our own policies. That's right. As I always say to those that I am doing premarital counseling with, I says, you know, marriage could be heaven on earth <laughs> or it could be hell on earth. Absolutely. It just depends on whose rules you're going to follow. That's absolutely correct. And so I think we need to underline the fact for those, those of you who are not married yet, um, don't be discouraged when you hear all of these things that are going on in other people's marriages. From God's perspective, marriage is the, the most wonderful relationship you can ever enter into on earth apart from your relationship with him if we follow his directions it's for it. So beautiful it is and so, so special it is to God that God says it's a picture of Christ's love. That's right, for, for exactly. That's why I like to say too, uh, Pastor Cunningham, I ask people what is the purpose of marriage? Yeah. And I've sort of boiled it down to one very concise, simple statement. Marriage is to show what God is like. Absolutely. You see, is to show what God is like. Right. Husband and wife, male and female, becoming one. Absolutely. They are in a position like no other person, no individual or anything else, That's right. to show what God is like. It's a wonderful relationship. It certainly is. Well, I think we're going to have one final break, and then we come back. I trust that we'll have more calls coming in to take us through to our closing time at 6 o'clock. Uh, 322-7846 or 326-0800. Please give us a call. Okay, we're back and we have some uh, individuals on the line right now. Hello, you're on ECB, talking it through biblically. Hi, Pastor Lee. Hi. Good afternoon, sir, to you and your guests. Good afternoon. I want to find out, as a single Christian woman, is it wrong um, that you, um, if you look for love in like in a dating service, is, does that go against God's law or rules? I'll, I'll let my young uh, protege here answer that one for you. Go ahead. Uh, is it wrong? I don't think so. I don't think that there, it's, it's a, there's a wrongness or rightness. I think it's based on what you were looking for um, in, 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 in that particular service. I, I would agree with that. I, I don't know if we can say it's wrong. However, I would not say that's the best way for you to go. I, I believe that, um, you, you know, I guess she hung up. Uh, you know, there's a saying that you go where the fish are, and uh, you're looking for a Christian husband, so you would go to a church. You would be involved with a fellowship where you can get to know individuals personally and so on. Uh, I'm not ruling out the other, uh, the other approach, but I believe it's within that context that young people will find the mate that uh, is more suitable for them. Now, of course, God himself is the one who brings our mates into our lives. And sometimes he just drops him or her there. We have no idea that we're going to meet them or see them or whatever, you know. But still, I think it's the idea of fostering a, a relationship 
within the context of a local church. I think this is this. I think uh, a lot of Christians. Uh, uh, question is a very valid one because a lot it of is. Christians are, uh, are using that kind of facility Definitely. now. In and fact, I even they, they, they even have a Christian, Christian right? Exactly. Right. Right. And so I think I think this brings out another point, Pastor, that churches churches need to begin to look at their singles ministries and begin to do things together so that other churches are introduced to other people. Great suggestion. You know, so. Okay, a second caller. Hello, you're on ECB, talking it through biblically. Hello? Hi. Hey, um, only, only marriage questions I can ask. I have two, two quick questions. Uh, well, that's what we're dealing with. On what? What is okay, the question? Well, well, I could well, deal with the marriage one, because I, um, I agree with both, both, maybe 90% of what you said concerning marriage is right. Okay. But what um, I disagree with um, the fact that unequally yoked means no. unequally yoked. Right. Because we're both in darkness at that at that point. And if I marry someone um, and she um she converts to to a Catholic or whatever like I say, any anything, once you're done married, that done done. Right. Now, to be unequally ill, I believe that means that you can't you can't a Baptist shouldn't marry or an Anglican, an Anglican shouldn't marry a Catholic. Okay. Catholic right now in two thousand and nine a Catholic church wouldn't marry no one unless you're in a Catholic church, mm -hmm. they wouldn't marry you. You can check this out, they wouldn't marry you. Because you know why? That's going to cause a big conflict. And you were right when you said, solve that before you get into it. Right. No. If you do that, uh, marriage is not, marriage is one of the things, but it is heavenly because it's before sin came, marriage was there. Right. But something else was there before sin came too. And that was God's holy day. Right. Okay. okay. So, well, that, that's for sure as far as the, you know, as far as denominations are concerned, I guess that'll be a, a personal view on your part. Because remember now, Christians are Christians whether they, whether they belong to the Catholic Church or the Anglican Church or whatever. You're part of the Church of Jesus Christ if you've been cleansed by the blood of Christ through faith in Jesus Christ. Right. So right. the other issues but, will be a personal thing. Right, right. But, but, but then, and, and what, what, but that's going to make it, you're going to have to make a change in the last days, the Bible says, because Revelation 12, 13, all that talks about worship, the beast causing people to worship. Right, but, right. So if you marry a woman, who Right, we're going into a different era. Right, right. Okay, thanks for your call. Appreciate yeah. it very much. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I think that idea of the denominational uh, mixture, you get, we get into all kinds of things about racial as well, yes. whether black yes. or white. You know, yes. I told him, I told him a lot, long times. If, if that was, I would be in the big problem here because I'm a mixed race. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But anyway, I guess the question is, in us and the Bahamas, who isn't? <laughs> yes, right. Hey. Exactly right. Okay. All right. Um, now, where would we? Where were we before? Oh, there's another call. Oh, got five more minutes left. If you if you're thinking of calling, please, this is the time to do it. We only have about four or five minutes left here. Uh, Pastor Cunningham, as we close out, what would you like to say right now? What were some of the salient points or any? A specific thing you'd like to say concerning marriage or husband headship or whatever before we close out? Marriage is one of the most wonderful things that God has created. This institution of marriage is a wonderful thing. And for those of us who are involved in it, thank God for you. Uh, however, we have to learn our biblical roles. 
and we must not allow our roles to be determined by what the culture teaches. Our roles must be based on the word of God. And where anything militates against the word of God, we must stand against it. And one of the tragedies we have today is that we don't have many good family models for people to, to see and, and, to, and to emulate. But thank God for those that we have. And so men, I would say to you, seek to associate with those persons who are good models because association leads to assimilation right. mm -hmm. and assimilation will surely lead to imitation. Mm -hmm. So therefore, men, you're called to be the head of the homes, but the head of the home is not a dicta dictatorial headship. It is, as I have been saying this, 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 this afternoon, it's a life-giving, it's a life-giving leadership. It is a servant leadership because what we are doing is walking in the steps of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we Christ. show our love for our wives by serving her. Absolutely, right? by serving her. In fact, that's how we um, demonstrate our headship is by being a servant for our wife. Absolutely. And Amen. in that service, we recognize that we must seek at all cost to meet the intellectual needs of our spouses, which means, fellows, you got to start reading, you have to start studying, and especially, uh, you have to become theological. You have to learn the Word of God if you are going to be a good leader in your home. You must get into the Word. I'm not saying to you, you must be a preacher. I'm not saying to you, you must be able to know the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic cognates. No, 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 I'm not saying that to you. But there's so many good sources. You can read the Word of God, learn the Word of God, so you'll be able to help to disciple your family because that's Amen. what God calls us to, 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 to do. And so, brothers, um, take courage. It might be rough out there, but take courage. You have a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. And he enables us to and do he what he calls us to, us to do. Amen. Yes. Amen. Okay, I want to um, <clears throat> excuse me. remind you that next time, Lord willing, on Talking It Through Biblically, we'll be looking at Christian wives and submission. What is it really uh, Paul is talking about when he talks about wives being submissive to their husbands? I believe this is another um, biblical truth that is often misrepresented, misapplied, misinterpreted. So we'll be looking at that next time, Lord willing. And also, uh, we might have uh, on our program, along with uh, Pastor Cunningham and myself, also Pastor Bill Higgs of the Methodist Church. He might be with us as well if he can get away. We're looking forward to that. But until next time, we want to remind you again that marriage is a wonderful relationship. It is a relationship that God himself uses as a model, a picture of the relationship between Christ and his church. I don't think we can get anything that is more loftier or wonderful than that. And God says that in our relationship with our wife, that is what we are to portray or to model as well. So husbands, love your wives. Love well, let me put this, love your wife and love her <laughs> sacrificially. Oh, absolutely. Serve her. Yes. Let her know today yes. that you live for her yes. and you glorify Christ by meeting her needs and serving her. Mm -hmm. And you are committing yourself to love her as Christ loved the church 
and gave himself for her. Yes. As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. Easy, easy be, easy, easy be, excellence in Christian broadcasting.